This month's podcasts are sponsored by Aubergine Legal. Do you sometimes worry that your business isn't meeting all its legal compliance requirements and wonder if you're ticking all the legal boxes? Are you losing sleep worrying about a piece of legislation that you may or may not be complying with? Perhaps you need some help with your client contracts or your data protection compliance. Or maybe you're worried that your website doesn't have the right documents or legal notices in the right place. Perhaps you have a brand that you want to protect with a trademark. How about if you could outsource it all and eliminate all of your worries? If so, then get in touch with Aubergine Legal, a friendly commercial legal consultancy offering practical and clear commercial legal advice without the overwhelming legal jargon, taking the worry away and helping you to protect your business and minimise your risks. Aubergine offers a free 30-minute consultation if you have any questions or want to find out if they can help. And you can access this link and book your free 30-minute call via the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Bring Your Product Ideas to Life podcast. Practical advice and inspiration to help you create and sell your own physical products. Here's your host, Vicky Weinberg. Hello, today I'm talking to Nicole Higgins, the buyer and retail coach. Nicole has worked as a buyer and head of buying for over 18 years for retailers such as Primark, M&S, Debenhams and George Asda. Gaining experience in buying, product development, strategy and leadership and global sourcing. In 2020, she established a buyer and retail coach to help small businesses start and scale their product business and increase their sales and profits. Um, this was a fantastic, really interesting conversation I had with Nicole. We cover a lot of topics and I genuinely think there's going to be something here for everyone. So hi, Nicole. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited today to chat to you. Me too. So can we start by you please giving an introduction to yourself, your business and what you do? Yeah, so my name is Nicole Higgins and you'll find me on Instagram and my website as the buy and retail coach. So what I do is I help, um, I do a variety of things, but the main thing I would be known for and what I promote socially um, on social media and stuff is I help entrepreneurs start and scale their product businesses. So if you have an idea and you don't know where to start and you want to get going, I help you with that. If you have a product business already, and you maybe want to grow it, or you might be stuck and you need to get more clarity of how you can make more income. I can help with that as well. And I also help corporates on projects and I also teach buying and merchandising as well. Amazing. You do. And my experience, so I was just saying in terms of from an experience point of view, how I came to, to this is I have um, 18 years experience working as a buyer and head of buying for companies like Primark, Marks and Spencers, Debenhams. So within that role, I would have been doing a lot of product development, sourcing from different countries, doing strategies for departments, introducing new departments uh, across a variety of multi-products from health and beauty to lingerie to footwear and accessories and homewares. Amazing. Thank you. So clearly you've got loads of experience working with these huge brands. Yeah. Um, so, and I know this is probably a big question, but let's just jump in, Nicole. Um, is there anything that you learned from working with these big brands that you think small brands could also apply? Yeah, I think you know, not everything is going to work. You're going to make mistakes. Products, some products are going to fail. You're going, you know, some things aren't going to turn up. A supplier is going to let you down. But generally from a product point of view, if something doesn't work, just it's that fail fast and move on, you know, because the, the sooner you can kind of get yourself out of the problem, find a solution and move on, you can start taking more cash again and get money into the business. So that's one thing I would say um, 
that a lot of bigger companies do is is and also within that they they review why it didn't work or what happened so that they that those mistakes aren't made again um making sure that you're looking at the numbers if you don't understand the data in your numbers then you don't know where you can, where you're potentially losing money or where you could make more money or where you could be more effective um so there i would say in terms of obviously there's there's lots of um of areas i think also really understanding your customer because and I'll touch on this as well I'm sure as we go along um but without your customer you don't have any business so you know I've worked for I worked for a retailer and in their head they they wanted to change their customer profile they wanted to attract a younger customer but they'd started then to ignore the existing older customer that they had and they weren't bringing them on the journey with them of why they were changing things or what they were doing so they started to lose that older customer and their you know their profits started to decline sales started to decline so you know really understanding who your customer is and taking them on that journey and making sure you're giving them products that they want and need you know and I know that sounds so obvious but it's just really crucial to get that money in the in the till yeah thank you so something that just occurred to me while you were speaking Nicole is that often when small businesses start out they like have sometimes they have a big brand in mind that they aspire to be like mm-hmm. um but I'm thinking that actually there's probably some advantage to being a small business if you see what I mean um but what do you think do you think there are some advantages to being small I think as a small business you can really get to know your customer and they really want to engage with you because especially if you are the face of your brand or you're you're very kind of visible on socials they get to know you and they want to get to know what's going on behind the scenes so I think that engagement piece with a customer is um obviously really important and and key if you're a small business and when you're a small business in terms of advantages as well you can start you know you can start lean you don't have to have bricks and mortar you don't have to have a full team of people there's a lot of things that you can do yourself or outsource to um to start your business you know you've got people that like adam uh, frisbee from in the style he started his business with a thousand pounds you know and they're now on the you know on they've now floated i think they're worth about 104 million or that's what they floated for i think when they that's what they were valued at when they first floated so you don't have to have a a huge budget and you can test, I mean, big businesses also do this as well, but, you know, you can test, learn, and then from a product point of view, you can test what works, get back into it. Um, and that's also what bigger businesses do as well. But I think really being close to your customer, um, you can be leaner, you can outsource um, things as and when you need to, and be a bit more ad hoc with that, especially if you're starting on, if you're starting out yourself, you know, a lot of people try and do everything themselves because they're very conscious of budget but then you get to a point of where is your time best spent and can someone do this quicker and possibly better that I can pay which then frees up my time to focus on you know strategy product meeting new brands sourcing new brands dealing with that supplier issue that you might be the only person that can deal with it that makes sense thank you I know that wasn't the question we prepared but when we were talking about big brands and what you know we as small businesses can learn from them I thought actually we should actually highlight the fact that sometimes being a small brand does have its advantages and when you were talking I was thinking that I can think of so many examples of brands where the founders done such a good job of being the face of the brand on their own social media and as you say you actually sort of invest in them because you genuinely are interested in that person um so let's start 
because I've you know I've only got you for a limited amount of time I'd love to get as much advice as possible please <laughs> oh <my God>. um, <laughs> so like start talking too quickly you'll have to give me time like, <laughs> so I would love to have your advice on I'm going to start right from the beginning here so I'd really love to have some advice from you on so you're a new brand and you're just looking to get started maybe around sort of developing your you know developing and sourcing a product let's talk okay. about that first so First of all, before you start developing your product and sourcing it, you need to understand it's like getting taking it back to that customer and who your customer is, uh, why you're doing it, why is your product different to what else is out there on the market. So really understanding your customer. So I recommend that you do um, customer research and someone to follow for this and who gives great tips on this is a lady called Katie Tucker, who is on Instagram. You can find her as product jungle and um but you know definitely reaching out to your audience and if you're starting out you're like well hang on a second I don't have an audience but you you know who your customer is you know you know where they would hang out what their behaviors are so you can find groups that they might be in you can look at places like um you can also look on forums and see the kind of conversations that are going on so you get a bit of an insight into what their pain points are what they're looking at also a good tip that someone gave me once is Go so if you're developing a product, say let's say it's a self tanning product, and you you can go on Amazon and have a look at the bad reviews for that product category, and it might be oh it you know it streaks it didn't dry it was tacky it was it had a bit of a funny smell so you know all these things that you don't want your product to have and you want to be able to shout about the positives of it rather than those kind of things, so um creating a customer questionnaire, doing your market research on that side of things, making sure that you're in a category that is growing, that there is potential um, or that you're offering something that's different to from either a price, a, a product or a service or a quality to what's already out there. So I'd really look at the competition and benchmark yourself in terms of where do you fit from a, a brand positioning? You know, what's your pricing going to be? What type of product range do you want to have? So really getting that before you start getting into the nitty gritty of it having that bird's eye view of your your product your business your customer um so understanding who your target market is like i've said doing your research on that knowing where you're positioned in the market from a brand point of view and understanding your you're looking at your branding, your values, your missions, knowing your why. And so there's so much work to do before you start going, right, let's find that supplier. You know, there's so much kind of pre-work for you to look at before you dive in and start spending a whole load of money on samples and time finding supplier, finding the right supplier for you. So once you understand all of that and you know you've got a minimum viable product, then from a sourcing point of view, it's knowing also what you need like what are your non what won't you compromise on is it does it have to be a certain price does it have to be a certain quality does it have to be sustainable you know kind of understanding those type of things um and then from do you do you want to make it in the UK do you want to make it in Europe are you not really bothered where you make it as long as you get it for the right price the right margin and maybe it's sustainable fabrics but you're open to have it made in any country so have thinking about those kind of things Obviously, when you're starting out, you want to start small. So from a supply base point of view, you're looking for a supplier that can make smaller quantities. Um, and finding your suppliers, so a couple of places you can find suppliers are LinkedIn, Common Objective is a good one for sustainable suppliers. So LinkedIn, Common Objective, um, even Instagram now, if you put in um 
you know, you can put in supplier Bulgaria or swimwear supplier, hashtag swimwear suppliers. A lot more people are using Instagram and TikTok actually as well as search engines, you know. So interesting. I had no idea. Yeah. And um, so people are using that because if you think you might have a supplier that's that's, you know, showing a video of how something's being made or whatever and then and tags, you know, footwear manufacturer or whatever it might be in Portugal. Um, so using Instagram and, and TikTok as search engines, obviously Google, you can find suppliers on Google, Alibaba. You know, there's quite a few places to find um, your suppliers. Then you, this is, this, might, this might be going on and going on here because there is a lot to, to cover. I suppose from the sourcing point of view, the, the main questions to start that you would want to ask them is what their minimum order quantity is, um, what their lead time is. So that's the, the lead time of how long it takes them to make the product and what their payment terms are. And they would be the th- three first questions I would ask. There's, there's more to come, but it helps you understand, you know, you know straight away if you only want to make 200 units of something, if a supplier's minimum order quantity is 1,000 per color or per style, they're not the right supplier for you. So you just, you know, you straight away, you can shut that conversation down. Payment terms would usually be like between 30 and 50% upfront. That's usually what it is. And then you pay the rest when the products are finished. And then lead time can vary hugely from what the product is, where it's made and, um, you know, how you're, you're bringing it into the country as well. So there are some of, some of the things to think about. And from a sourcing point of view, you know, I would get things cross-costed from a couple of different suppliers. Then when you've narrowed it down, have Zoom meetings with them because it's about the relationships as well and and choosing that that supplier. You know, if you can go see them, if you're in the same country, I would go and see them. Um, but building those relationships is really key as well. Thank you so much for all of that. And I, I really liked hearing you talking about the research needed at the outset, because that's something I also talk about a lot, that mm. you shouldn't just be going and spending time and money on developing a product before you know whether anyone's actually going, whether anyone wants it. Yeah, and what's already out there. And yeah, how you can be different. You know, is it a need? Is it a want? You know, what way you can speak to your customers as well. There's so much to do so much groundwork but if you do that groundwork at the beginning it saves you time and money throughout the process then absolutely totally agree I'm also really interested speaking about all the groundwork on your thoughts on pricing um because I've always my opinion is that you know you need to think about the price and where you think about in the market up front before you start your sourcing um but then you do see a lot of people talking about and I talking about you know go and get prices and then work out what you're going to sell it for based on what you can source it for personally I don't think that's the right way about it but I'd love to know your take on no no that. I agree with you you should have an idea in mind of where you want your prices where you want your prices to retail at regardless of what you've had back from suppliers yet you should understand right for this product for this quality I want it to be um 100 pounds you know and you get, you might get your price back and you might make 80% margin at hundred pounds, but it's still worth hundred pounds based on your brand positioning, where the gap in the market is and, and whatever it might be. Don't, you wouldn't bring it down just to say, oh, I'll make, I'll make a lower margin at 70 because, oh, is that too much? Or, you know, and I remember a client I had and she did change it after our conversation, but, you know, she, she was doing some candles and she's like, okay, I've, you know, it's, it's at 12, let's say it was at 12 pounds. And I said, right, well, look at the rest of the market. You're underselling yourself by about a fiver. You want to be in these type of retailers 
that product at that price is too cheap for those type of retailers. They'll think you're not on their level where, but she was like, Oh, I just, I was making a healthy margin at this price. And I was like, yeah, but it's not about, it's not always about that. You know, you can make more if you want, you know, you can make more from a profit point of view, but yes, I would always agree. Look at where you should be positioned first and then work it back to, you know, sorry, look at where, look at where you need to be from a price point of view, rather than getting your cost prices and then just multiplying it out to where, because, you know, generally you might, you might make mistakes there. Absolutely. Cause I've also seen it in a few instances happen the other way where somebody has got the price and they've gone, okay, so what basically what I'm trying to say is they've overpriced their product based on the production price because they've gone oh the only way I can make a profit is if I price this at 25 pounds but everyone else is pricing theirs at 16 um and then they wonder why they're maybe not not making many if any sales um so yeah I mean so my advice well would be if that's the case then possibly you need to look at changing something your products looking different countries for suppliers or changing something or maybe going actually this just isn't what I want actually isn't profitable but I certainly wouldn't advise setting a higher price than the market you know than is suitable in the market just because that's the price it's going to cost you to make it absolutely and I think that's why when you're looking for your supply base at the beginning understanding and you don't need to share it with your supplier if you don't want to share what kind of um cost price you need at the beginning because you want to wait and see what they come back with but um you know understanding then right well if they give me a price of this this means that it would have to be that cut that retail that's too much or yes I can work with it It very much once you know kind of where you want to position your products from a price point of view it also helps with that when you're sourcing for the suppliers because you know you know who you can who you can work with and who you can't you know there's no point if you want a product that's based for you know this kind of retails at Zara's prices you're not going to be the same going to the same suppliers that use Gucci that you know that Gucci uses you know it's just it makes it just makes sense thank you so let's move on a bit and talk about actually launching a product um Mm -hmm. what's your best advice for how to have a successful product launch start engaging with your customers as soon as you can so once you've got your brand and you feel comfortable with your tone of voice and and what that might be bring them on the journey so you may and you don't need I'm not talking about talk posting every day but bring them on the journey with you in terms of what you're doing so you may be thinking well I haven't even got any product to show them what am I you know what am I going to be talking about but you can bring them on the journey you can bring them in the decisions and when you think when you do that initial customer research you'll know what they're also interested in so you you might not you know you don't have to always just talk about your product it's other things that they might be interested in I once um I interviewed for uh, my own podcast start scale succeed um the two founders of an under a sustainable underwear brand called panty and they were communicating with their with their customers and set up their socials about a year before they launched they didn't intend it to be a year, but with supply issues and whatever it might be, it ended up being a, a year. But they then did a Kickstarter campaign and those customers that they had engaged with, those people and so and followers on social media they'd engaged with, they they funded their Kickstarter campaign. So without doing that engagement piece and starting their social media accounts, um, you know, they wouldn't have had that funding. So what I would definitely say is don't turn up and go, yeah, I'm here. You have to put groundwork in and expect people to be flooding to your website. You have to put the groundwork in at, you know, I would say minimum three months, really, if you can, but but further ahead, if you if you can, to try and build that audience. I'd also um, 
you know so you're engaging with them you're looking at other and you don't have to do, you could you can be commenting on other accounts that you know that they have an interest in that so if you're a fitness brand you might be following a nutritionist you're commenting on their on the nutritionist posts people are then seeing what you're saying that's relative to what they're talking about they go check you out so it's doing that engagement piece as well um I would also say start growing an email list if you can. So in that way, if you have a landing page done, so you you don't need a whole website just to have a landing page. I think MailChimp do it. I'm not sure about Clavio. There's um, there's a um, a company called Launch Rock that you can literally just set up a page and start collecting email addresses. So you might say, you know, sign up to hear about our launch, get 10% off. Um, you might create a so again, if we if we go back to the active brand, you might create some kind of PDF lead magnet that people can download and then you have their email addresses. Um, so it start see if you can start building your list, building your engagement. Definitely go from a socials point of view, I'd also go on TikTok. And you're like, you know, you might be thinking, oh God, I'm not gonna have time to do all this, but just do what you can. But the the more you can do, then the better you will be for launch. Definitely use um influencer marketing to help you um i read a stat that i think for every dollar invested in influencer marketing you get five dollars back from a return on investment so and that doesn't have to be big influencers you know it can be it's often the smaller ones that have an engaged audience um have a countdown but not too far like you wouldn't be counting down from a year out you might be counting down from like two weeks out and um competitions are also good and you know leverage off other audiences and so if we, again, if we take, for example, an active wear brand, you could do a competition with a, a fitness supplement brand, a nutri- you know, nutritionist that might give a, a session and, you know, someone that's offering a retreat, you know, and you might do this kind of competition together. So there are a couple of things I would suggest to help you with launching. Thank you so much for all of those. And yeah, I know that it might sound like a lot, but I think it's fair to say, Nicole, that there is going to be a period of time between you coming up with the initial product idea and actually having something physically available for people to buy. And obviously we can't give an exact time scale, um, but it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. So I think there is the time to do all of that. Um, I also have a podcast episode, I think, which from last summer that I'll link to in the show notes, which is all about working with influencers. So we had an influencer on mm-hmm. with her best tips on how to find Great. people to work with, how to approach them. So mm-hmm. I'll link to that as well. I just want to come back to what you said about TikTok, actually, though, Nicole, because you're the first person I've spoken to who's recommended using TikTok. Um, I'll be honest, I just think I'm too old for it, which is ridiculous, isn't it? Probably shouldn't, shouldn't put those limits on myself um what why do you think tiktok is is so good for sharing in terms brand? of how from a product business it's one of the i do have some stats let me try and see if i can if you want to pause it a minute and i'll just um pull them up so um while i have them here yeah okay so no tiktok is a must for product businesses because the reach is phenomenal and it's quite quick as well. You don't have, so with Instagram, it's very much about nurturing and uh, bringing them on the journey. Whereas TikTok is a little bit, you don't have to, I don't mean that you don't have to put as much effort in, but the, you know, you only have a short amount of space for posts, you know, but it has a really high reach. So TikTok now is like what people say Instagram was four or five years ago in terms of the ease of people seeing your, your product, your, you know, what you're doing. But then from, and I know, other people think oh I'm too old for it or but you would be surprised so there's 
the age group of 30 to 49 year olds are about 40% of TikTok users. So that's quite a big chunk. And then that if you are a, a lot of people use, like I said, in terms of TikTok for a search engine and Instagram for a search engine, that they are more, the TikTok is more likely to be the source of product discovery. So people go on there looking for brands. And um, so I think it's like the 30 TikTok users are 38% more likely to research brands and then 44% more likely to buy products that they find on the platform. So, and very likely to engage with the brand. So I do think, and I've had a client of mine and she did a, it was, she did a video and she had 3 million views on it, you know? So to be able to put your product in front of 3 million people, you know, a potential customers, not all of those are going to be customers, obviously your website will crash, but you know, it's, it's a free, it's free. It's organic, you know, all the, the how to's and the way I would um, suggest you, you kind of start off is look at the, look at the brands that are in your product type and what um, type of things they're posting for you to get inspiration on, not copy, but to get inspired by, you know, see what are the kind of things that have had the high views, um, you know, use trending audios, um, but it's definitely something, do a lot of behind the scenes. And I would just, even if you're not ready, and this is a, a a tip if you haven't got your branding done or you haven't you know film film as much as you can document as much as you can because you will there will be a time where you're going to be able to use it and you'll have a nice bank of content of little video stills you know ask your suppliers if they can take little videos of things being made in the factory you know all of those kind of things you'll be able to use at some point for contact with content whether it's on instagram or whether it's on tiktok but yeah if you're a product business and you're listening and you're not on tiktok then get yourself on tiktok that is amazing. Thank you. And I really like your tip about asking your suppliers to film little videos as well, because I'm sure for them, it's no bother at all. And yeah, that'll be such valuable content to have along the line. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, it's, it's quick. They can WhatsApp it back to you. You know, you're not because you're only probably only need like what, a 10 second, 30 second little video where they could do something that's a bit longer and you can edit it and snip it. But um, yeah, all content. You go, I know it sounds stupid, but you go into the post office with loads of parcels is content, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. And you know what? I'll be really honest. I've never even looked at TikTok. I've never opened it. I was about to say never downloaded it. I'm assuming you can go on websites. That's not. Yeah, I, I say one thing I'm going to do after this, Nicole, when I have my lunch is I'm going to go on TikTok and have a look. No, you should. I mean, and I and I'm guilty in terms of I've only just started started going on it as a platform myself, um, mainly because I'm launching my own product business later on in the year. But um, it is definitely you know the results I can see from from customers and where they're getting their traffic from to their website is is very much like TikTok and Instagram. Amazing, thank you. So is there anything else you wanted to talk about around launching your product before we move on? I suppose in terms of the PR side of things. So, you know, there's a lot of way, if, especially if you're on a budget, there's a lot of ways you can do your own PR. And, and two people that I would recommend to, to listen to and follow are Fiona Minute and who is at Boss Your PR on Instagram and um, Lucy Werner, who is the author of Hype Yourself. And, um, and also, if you're not on it and you're a product business, is the and I hope it's all right for me sharing. Of course, no, it's it's really helpful. Thank you. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm like that going. Oh my god, there's <laughs> reams of show notes and link. Um, is there's a Facebook group called Lightbulb, and it's run by an ex journalist called Charlotte Crisp, 
and what that is. No PRs are allowed in that. It's basically the journalists and individuals. So they might be product owners, they might be coaches, they might be whatever it might be. And the way it works is you can pitch directly to a journalist. You can kind of jump on the back of um, something that's going on. Um, So say if we're talking about we're coming up to the Jubilee, you might be making um, a whole range of union jack cards or tea towels or memorabilia for the for the julie you could pitch that in the in the group um what the journalists often do is they'll they'll say i'm looking for a this this age to this age that has this type of story and even if it's not related to your business but you are you can fit you fit into what they're looking for then your business may get mentioned or could get credited and all exposure for you is good exposure so and that's I think that's five pounds or 5.99 a month so it's like two cups of tea you know I don't drink coffee so <laughs> it's too <laughs> I think that's a great recommender and actually that's where I found you Nicole if yes. you remember you no, don't worry there's lots of I think that it's great for all sorts of opportunities um yeah. and making connections as well and collaborations and stuff so there you yeah. might be other product businesses that you want to collaborate and do a live with or go on a podcast or, you know because they do a podcast shout out as well so yeah definitely I would I would um recommend to join that group as well thank you um so let's move on if that's okay and talk about how to successfully grow and scale your product business because I think it's one thing to have an idea do your research source your product launch your product and then hopefully you're at a stage where you know sales are going well um what sort of things would we be thinking of doing if we want to expand I would get go back to your bird's eye view again in terms of right you're making this much money in the business what's your what are what are your financial goals what where do you want to be you know have I would kind of brain dump on a piece of paper first really kind of like right what do you want is is wholesale is wholesale what you want do you want to be in more retailers if you're currently turning over 500 do you want 500,000 you know do you want to get to 500 another 500,000 in the next two years or whatever it might be so I would set your goals um I would set your financial goals and um your kind of other activities in terms of right I want to you might be I have other goals like I want to get more press I want to I want to do more influencer uh, marketing or those kind of things in terms of what do you what do you want to to where do you want to get to from an income point of view very much so and um, looking then as well some of the things I'll be looking at is take a real review of your business what's working what's not what profit margin are you making where are you sourcing your products? Could you source them cheaper elsewhere with a, a, a reliable source? Because a lot of those kind of things you need to do slow and steady. So because you don't want to sacrifice or you don't want to um, either compromise quality or pretend or, or anything financially by just jumping ship to a different supplier. So you have to t- do those kind of things very steadily. And you might not decide to move your whole range. It could just be parts of it. So kind of looking at, you know, you know what's working well for you do more of that potentially but also also going back to your customers again you know if you if you're already if you're already established you're going to have an email list you're going to have a an established social media channels so I would create that kind of questionnaire and be like right what what else would you like to see from us and maybe list certain product types that you're interested in doing or that you feel that there's a gap in the market based on research that you do again you know of what else could you do what else are the other people doing that are in your competition that you think you can do better from a product price you know quality service um and get some feedback from your customers then I would 
but definitely look at if you're not doing wholesale and you have the profit margins to do it, then I would look at doing wholesale. If you don't have the profit margins to do it, I would find out how you can get the profit margins to do it. So where, you know, if you're currently making things and you're only making 50% margin and you need to make, be making between 70 and 80, you know, where are the other countries that you can make that product to get that margin that will allow you then to have wholesale as a business model. Um, so there are the sum of things I would look at. And I think it's really kind of looking at what's working, what's not working Um looking at you know if you're not looking at maybe your advertising and marketing spend and speaking to people um about how they can help you on that side of things and what the return could be or what the cost of investment is on that um you know you'll only know as a business like what have you done or how have you got to where where you are in terms of if it's all happened quite organically and you've not been spending money on advertising you know what could you know could that really move the needle for you if you start to spend money on advertising you know, so take that bird's eye view, ask your customers, review your numbers, um, look at your profit margins and set yourself goals and then look at the steps and the things that you would need to do to 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 get to those goals. Thank you. Well, that's a really good overview. Um, just a few final questions before we finish up, Nicole. I'd love to know, are there things that you often see that small businesses overlook or perhaps common mistakes you see that are made that would be useful to highlight here actually can I just go back to that growing scale question yeah of course sorry (laughs) and so just as well in terms of from a growing point of view really look at your website and how it's functioning and if it can be better or what else you can do so you've got people you know how can you increase your conversion so you've got views coming into your website you know, is it working the way it should be working? Can you improve the speed, the navigation? Because all of those will help retain those customers on your website. And also quick wins that you can have a look at, you know, is increasing your average order value. So you might do things, if you don't have it already, you know, have those kind of, you may also like, because you want to increase the value of that order once you're on your site, and that will help increase your sales as well. And also, if you, I would have a look at your pricing structure and in, in, in buying and retail, we call it a good, better, best. So that you have, you know, do you have some kind of cheaper price points that are very, you know, that are quite pick up that they don't really have to think that much to. So you can use, say if they're a a 40 pound threshold and you're like, you know, spend 10 pounds more and you get free shipping. So do you have other items that are lower price points they can easily put in the basket? And then, on the other side of that, you know, do you have a best, do you have items that they can trade up to? So if they want to gift something, do you have something that they can have that they, they buy into your brand, but they also want to give something to somebody else. So it might be something that's a bit more special. So I would have a look at your pricing structure as well and make sure that you have that, um, that good, better, best there as well. That's brilliant advice. Thank you so much. So I just have a few more questions before we finish, Nicole. So the first thing is, are there any things that you often see small businesses perhaps overlook or common mistakes perhaps you see made that um, you could highlight now and and save some of us from making? Yes. So um, some people that, and I know we talked about it earlier, but some people that really miss that research side of it, that's one um some that aren't that haven't invested in branding so that they're they might have a great product but then their brand and their their whole branding and feel of it doesn't maybe match the product or that they have they've just missed the mark you know so 
spending that time looking at what what you want your branding to look like and you know I would from an investment point of view that's something that I would get someone to to work on with you you know and but I think one of the main things is um people spending money in the wrong places at the beginning um I've had a client who said oh, I've I've just spent 20,000 nearly on this website and you know I nearly fell off my chair um because that was before there was one product in the bit you know that was before um there was any product being sold so when you can get a website made for like 1500 pounds probably cheaper I don't know but you know you you don't need to be spending that much money on websites I had a another client the other day and they're they're quoted they were quoted a very high amount for tech packs you know so I would definitely shop around for services that uh, you need in terms of help and support for your business and um, you know try and do it do it lean where you can, but then invest where you need to, you know, and, and then the other side of things as well is get support there. You're not going to be able, I know I've said do it lean, but you're not going to be able to do everything yourself. So um, it might, you know, how I'm, I'm babbling a bit now, but I think get support where you need to know what your strengths are. And then when you'll be in a position to get someone to help you with certain things so that you can move on to things that are going to generate you more money that you free up your time so you can be in your zone of genius quicker. Yeah, absolutely. That does make sense. And I think, like you say, while you want to be... well, you want to be lean and, and should be lean, ultimately, if you know, you know, you're not going to be able to use a website builder and make a website that looks professional, then perhaps that's something you can outsource. And I'd also probably say that even if you could do that yourself and you could do a good job, I guess if you are able to outsource so you can focus on engaging with customers, building an audience, mm. maybe that's also something to consider. I'd say for myself, when I started my own products business years ago, um. I did everything myself and I didn't do all of it that well um, and stretch myself far too thin. Whereas actually it probably would have made more sense in the long run to have invested in a few key things just to take the, the time element away. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're in a place now that there's so many freelance people that can do something for you. Like when I first um, was doing some things, I was doing things, something on Canva and it was taking me forever. I'm, I'm used to it now. But um, so what's, something was taking me a day and I I used then a VA that I paid by the hour but basically what it was take what took me a day she did another version in an hour and a half so you know from an economic from a financial point of view it made sense to use her but there's so many people now that you can get that are freelance um social media managers um that you might need extra support with VAs that can do that can help you with things you know there is there is a way and we were just talking about it here in terms of the way there's a way for you to free up your time in a way that suits you and your budget you just need to look for it absolutely thank you and I think it's also worth saying that can also be a bit of a false economy to do something yourself if Mm. it takes you a week to build a website but then actually three months down the line you have to pay someone to do it anyway because the one you built isn't fit for purpose or something doesn't quite work or whatever And, and and it's not just even the time it's probably it's probably the stress I mean me trying to build a website would bring me out in hives would never get done I would just go procrastinate until you know the cows came home and it would just delay everything so I think they're the kind of things is knowing what you're good at knowing what you might need support at and when can you bring that support on that's really good advice thank you 
So I have one final question before yeah. we finish. And I think this might be a hard one, but what would your number one piece of advice be to for other product creators or aspiring product creators? I think starting at the beginning, that know, knowing your customers and why is your what's why is your product different? That would be that's where I would start because once you know that, then you have a real belief of about your product and you know that it's going to work so you have that it helps with that confidence side of things as well so that would be um i would say with know your customers and why your product is different and what it is what it can do that's amazing thank you nicole and thank you so much for everything you've shared i think we've managed i hope you agree we've managed to cram a lot in a short amount of time but i think I really appreciate how actionable you've made it as well. Thank you for all the resources and suggestions you've made as well. I will endeavour to make sure they're all included in the show notes. Um, so thank you again, Nicole. And um, very briefly, can you just let us know where people can find you and connect with you? Yes, um, so I, Instagram is my main platform and you can find me on Instagram and at the Buy and Retail Coach. And my website is www.thebuyandretailcoach.com. And if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, my podcast is Start, Scale, Succeed, where I chat with entrepreneurs and also experts that can help um, entrepreneurs. So Vicky is going to be one of my guests uh, very soon, hopefully. <laughs> we talk about all about Amazon. <laughs> thank you so much for the invite. And thank you. And I will make sure all of these, including your podcast, are linked up in the show notes as well so people can find them really easily. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I love it. Thank you. Thank you again. Thank you so much for listening right to the end of this episode. Do remember that you can get the full back catalogue and lots of free resources on my website, vickyweinberg.com. Please do remember to rate and review this episode if you've enjoyed it and also share it with a friend who you think might find it useful. Thank you again and see you next week. If you've been inspired to start a podcast in 2024, I really recommend my podcast host, Captivate. Captivate were my top pick when I started podcasting four years ago because of how easy it was for a complete novice like me to get started. I've stuck with them for the last four years because Captivate is still really simple to use. They keep adding great new features like the ability to share ads like these and they've just been really reliable. So when you're ready to start your own podcast, you can use the link in the show notes and get a free seven day trial with Captivate.